Have you ever come across people who say, come on, you cannot diagnose them. You, you are not a psychiatrist. You are, you are not a psychologist. This is a mental health condition. You can't say they're a narcissist because you do not have the tools to say so. And uh, those kind of remarks probably confuse you even further because you truly start feeling guilt and shame for labeling someone as something they may be not. But what if I told you the diagnostic criteria for narcissistic personality disorder in DSM-5 is incomplete and it's quite vague because it does not cover the vastness and the depth of this pervasive personality type and misses the point. What if I told you there are major discrepancies within the, uh, the diagnostic criteria and there is a lot more, more work to be done to make it inclusive and to cover all the subtypes that the diagnostic assessment potentially misses. Hi, I am Danish, a narcissistic abuse recovery professional. Today in this episode, we're going to become a little bit clinical. We're going to talk about why diagnostic criteria for NPD, narcissistic personality disorder in DSM-5 is incomplete in my opinion. Everything that I'll share in today's episode, it's just my understanding of the subject and my opinion solely. Having that said, if you do not know what DSM is, DSM stands for Diagnostic and Statistical Manual for Mental Disorders. And five basically stands for the fifth revision that was published in around 2013. So diagnostic criteria for NPD in DSM has nine traits, nine criterias out of which only five have to be found in a person or a person needs to match those, have those five criterias, five personality traits to be called a narcissist or to be diagnosed with full-blown narcissistic personality disorder. Let's assess these criterias one by one and let me point out the anomalies, the points that are being missed and how a true narcissist would easily, easily bypass the diagnostic assessment. For this, we're going to refer to this <laughs> big huge book that I have studied from during my masters and we are directly going to go to DSM criteria for uh, narcissistic personality disorder. So this is how it uh, begins. Narcissistic personality disorder, a pervasive pattern of grandiosity in fantasy or behavior, need for admiration and lack of empathy beginning by early adulthood and present in a variety of contexts as indicated by five or more of the following. So the first few lines are applicable to all types of narcissists. There's a pervasive pattern of grandiosity, whether hidden or visible. The grandiosity thing is common denominator among all types of narcissism. Whether this grandiosity is in fantasy or behavior, it's always there, need for admiration and a lack of general lack of empathy which is also good beginning by early adulthood 
Maybe or maybe not because I know many people who displayed their narcissism quite at an early age. They were quite young when they started showing these narcissistic traits and through the repetition of their behavior, narcissistic behaviors, their personality became permanent. So the first point is, the first criteria is, has a grandiose sense of self-importance, for example, exaggerates achievements and talents, expects to be recognized as superior without commensurate achievements. If we are looking at a grandiose narcissist, this is definitely applicable. You would see overt grandiose sense of self-importance. But what about a covert narcissist, the one who is a wolf but in sheep's clothing? Those of you who have survived covert narcissistic abuse very well know that this type comes across as very down-to-earth, quite humble. They do not brag at all. They, they just self-deprecate. They put themselves down. They're timid. They're emotional. They seem to be connected with their self. They seem to be sensitive, far, far, far away from actual grandiosity. So if it is a covert narcissist, of course they would not meet this criteria at all. Only a grandiose narcissist whose narcissism is quite overt, who is quite arrogant, will match this. So that is the first thing. The second thing is a covert narcissist would never exaggerate their achievements and talents. Quite the opposite. As I said, they will put themselves down because they, they are the eternal victim. They have to be recognized by everyone as the ultimate martyr and through their uh, martyrhood, they manifest their narcissism and function through it. You need to understand that. And yes, they do expect to be recognized as superior, but not in a grandiose way. They expect to be seen as the biggest victim, the one who has suffered the most, the one who deserves to be healed by everyone. Everyone has to sacrifice their needs, wants and desires just because this person has been through eternal suffering, which of course doesn't ever end. But grandiosity, you won't get a hint. The second uh, criteria is, is preoccupied with fantasies of unlimited success, power, brilliance, beauty or ideal love. Now, of course, narcissism and preoccupation goes hand in hand. These two things are married to each other. But again, in, um, in an altruistic narcissist or a communal narcissist, you wouldn't see uh, any preoccupation with unlimited success. Yes, maybe power, but it doesn't ever look like they are going after power. They want power. Of course not. They want to be seen as equal holding hands of every community member, donating millions of dollars because they want to uplift the society. They want to do all the good things. Since they believe in goodness, which is basically is nothing but virtue signaling, value signaling, empathy signaling. So if the person who is assessing someone for NPD does not know about this type of behavior, has not experienced it, they would easily miss because how would they be able to see this if the person who is being asked a question like this completely describes their life 
in an opposite way that doesn't, you know, there's no hint of narcissism in that. The third criteria is, believes that he or she is special and unique and can only be understood by or should associate with other special or high status people or institutions. Again, what is the major theme here? It is of grandiosity. I am amazing. I am unique. Everybody is below me. And you need to understand these people are masters at faking normalcy. If you were to come across a narcissist, you wouldn't know. They think this way. They think they're special. They won't say it um, on your face because they know by saying so, they will be exposed. They're master manipulators. They might hint at feeling this way about other people, but you won't be able to detect actual narcissism or hidden narcissism by uh, looking at this, the presence of this trait in a person. Yes, there are overt narcissists, narcissists who are just out there, who are like true manifestation of overt narcissism. They act like this and they are very easy to recognize and spot. The other flaw with this diagnostic criteria is it can, I mean, the one who is assessing can misunderstand a trauma response for wanting and needing to be special. You as a narcissistic abuse survivor have been through hell and you know people out there do not understand your experiences. Only those who have been through what you have been through will know what you're talking about. So naturally the tendency is to be with those people or around those people. Does that make you a narcissist just because you want to associate yourself with a certain group of people because you feel only they will understand you or you belong there or you seek their support, you seek their association? Of course not. Context always matters because it's mentioned here that others, they, they want to associate themselves with other special or high status People, again, we're talking about grandiose narcissism here. Someone who wants to uh, be seen as an elite person in the society. The one who is this high-end, top-notch, high-maintenance kind of a narcissist, wants to wear the costliest, the most expensive brands, wants to take services from people who only serve people that are special above the rest, the kings and the queens of society. We're talking about that kind of a narcissist, not the one that the common man gets to experience, the one who does not fit into this criteria, but causes the most damage. Fourth criteria is requires excessive admiration. Now, a grandiose narcissist will definitely require a lot of admiration, a lot of attention. If they enter a room, they will have to be the life of the party. They, they want everyone to focus on, on them, their success stories, their achievements, their career, their children, their house, their money. Everything is about them. Nobody even gets to breathe when around such a narcissist. But what about a covert narcissist who is just pretends to be way below on the hierarchy, who attacks but covertly, who pretends to be the biggest victim, 
who cries wolf, who always complains, who is being targeted by everyone, you wouldn't recognize that as, an, as a form of narcissism because they are not in need of excessive admiration or at least it doesn't look like that uh, directly. They need admiration, but of what? Of their victimhood, not of their successes. So if a covert narcissist were to sit with a therapist and if their therapist were to run them through this diagnostic criteria, of course, they won't be able to see their narcissism. They'll easily bypass this. The fifth criteria is, has a sense of entitlement. Unreasonable expectations of especially favorable treatment or automatic compliance with his or her expectations. Uh, having a sense of entitlement is common among all narcissists, but its presentation is not the same among all these subtypes. An overt narcissist feels entitled to cross the line, to cut you off, to interrupt you, to not let you speak, to sit wherever they want to, to do anything they, they feel like they can do. They do not have a working moral compass, so doesn't a covert narcissist. The overt narcissist will use you like an object and then throw you away very overtly. It's visible. They'll exploit you in the ways that can be seen, felt and experiences. Yes, they have unreasonable expectations. But if, if it is a covert narcissist, you won't ever feel they are entitled ever because this kind of a narcissist feels into your emotions or cries a lot or is so ashamed of their actions sometimes, feels guilty, apologizes, gives you the chance to do something first, holds space for you. Their narcissism functions at a very hidden level these are all hidden stabs they launch at you. You bleed, but you do not know from where you are getting attacked. So how would this criteria fit the description of a covert narcissist? And how would a covert narcissist and their entitlement be recognized when this sense of entitlement is only about the overt things a narcissist does, such as their unreasonable expectations from others? and the automatic compliance. With a malignant narcissist, such as my grandfather, you had no room to say no. His presence meant you had to submit to his will and you had to leave your body, your soul, your brain, everything behind and do what he wants you to do. That was very visible. Everybody was very afraid of him because he was, he was a grandiose malignant narcissist. But what about the covert one who wouldn't want you or who, who wouldn't directly say that you have to be compliant, but would guilt trip you and make you feel so obligated that you will say yes, you will comply out of your own shame. And that doesn't, if, if a therapist who hasn't experienced this doesn't understand the depth and the vastness of narcissism, they will blame you for putting yourself through that hell because this person never asked you to do that. Come on, they don't look like entitled to me because see, they're crying. They want to change. They want to give it a chance. They don't just want you to do things. They're ready. How come you say they're entitled? The sixth trait is, is interpersonally exploitative, takes advantage of others to achieve his or her own needs. Of course, yes, but 
a lot, there's nuance to this and we need more details. How? How so? A grandiose overt malignant narcissist with a bit of ASPD, antisocial personality disorder, sociopathy or psychopathy, you will see they are uh, more exploitative than just a narcissist and they take advantage of others. They, they would walk over your dead body without caring what they did to get what they wanted. So their exploitativeness is visible like in my father's case. Money is the biggest thing for him and he would do anything, anything, I mean anything to get as much as he possibly can. But a covert narcissist doesn't look exploitative at all when they are the most exploitative. The covert narcissist comes across as the mother or the father who has sacrificed their life, their money, who is very emotional, seems to be quite empathetic, buys you stuff, gives you things, your needs are met. Sometimes they connect with you and you feel like, yes, this is the parent that I was looking for. This is the, this is a godlike parent for me. No, they, they are an angel. Where is that exploitativeness? If you are a survivor of covert narcissistic abuse, guide me. Share your experiences in the comments below. Did you ever feel, at least in the beginning, that the narcissist you were dealing with was exploitative? I'm sure not. It's only when devaluation began and that passive aggression, those covert jabs, stonewalling, silent treatment, covert manipulation, gaslighting, when all of that came to the surface, you noticed something was going wrong and you were exploited through the all those things, passive aggression, silent treatment, um, you know, coercion, silent control, psychological strangulation, all of those things, but it never looked like they were exploitative. Lacks empathy, quite common, but the problem is, and let me, let me read this seventh criteria uh, completely. Lacks empathy is unwilling to recognize or identify with the feelings and needs of others. Of course, that is a case, quite visible in the case of a grandiose or an overt narcissist. But what, what about the covert one, the altruistic one, the compassionate, humble narcissist who goes out there, donates millions to hospitals, organizations, tries to care for the environment or at least pretends to do so, connects with animals, listens to music and cries. What about that type? They seem to have empathy. They seem to have same interests like you do and it feels genuine. In case of a covert narcissist, you truly feel you're connecting with someone, but that someone is like a ghost. You don't ever catch it. You don't ever truly feel it. It just, you know there is something and you always chase the glimpse of that ghost. They seem to cry when feeling empathy, empathetic. They'll rather help a person on the street than the person in their house, but they do so. This display of empathy is quite selective and it's not totally absent unless it is a grandiose overt psychopathic narcissist. So what will the one who is assessing the person say if they are sitting with a covert narcissist trying to assess and trying to peek into their psyche? The eighth criteria is is often envious of others and or believes that others are envious of him or her. 
Of course, all narcissists have prosecutory paranoia. They feel like everybody out there is trying to get them. Everybody is trying to destroy them. Um, you can see that in covert narcissists as well. Covert narcissists are extremely envious, but they don't seem like that. They'll pretend to be the happiest person on earth. When you achieve something, their jealousy is not visible. You can kind of catch it from their body language and you truly have to be attuned and you truly have to know what you're, deal with, what you're dealing with. That is when you will be able to do that. Otherwise, you'll completely miss it. You'll just go with their words because their words are the sweetest you will ever get to hear. They know how to talk. They know how to truly sugarcoat. Do you agree with me? Let me know in the comments as well. So they are envious, pathologically envious. They are jealous. They harbor hatred. But can that be easily seen and found in a narcissist? I doubt so. The ninth and the final trait is they are arrogant or show haughty behaviors or attitude. I need to remind you the same thing about a coat or a humble narcissist, an altruistic narcissist. Do they come across as arrogant? Of course not. They come across as the most humble, down-to-earth person you will ever meet. They speak slowly, they listen, they take pauses, they hold space, they make eye contact. They, they don't walk around making it seem like everybody is a peasant and uh, you know they, they own everything and everyone in the environment. Yes, co overt narcissists do so, but coverts don't. That's the reason why survivors of narcissistic abuse feel they are going crazy because nobody believes them. To the entire world, this narcissist is the kindest soul they, will, they have ever come across. They are the most helping. They know how to wear their social smile, how to agree, how to nod their head, how to uh, pretend to be agreeable, open, communicative, considerate. Their arrogance is only reserved for those who won't be, able, won't be easily able to escape them. This disorder is extremely tricky and in my opinion, in my humble opinion, the diagnostic criteria for NPD in DSM-5 is incomplete. It needs reformation and that's the reason they say a lot more information needs to be added to it and that's why I say relying on these diagnostic criteria is not enough because most people won't be able to see all the traits in the person and then that might confuse them. Maybe they're not a narcissist, maybe it's something else, maybe it's bipolar, maybe it's that, maybe it's this. In my opinion, the best approach to understand a person's personality is understanding their behaviors because it's through their behaviors a narcissist reflects their core personality. It's by connecting the dots through observing, dissecting these behaviors, we get to know what their core values are, how they see the world, how they see you, how they see themselves and what is the relationship between all these elements look like. This is the reason they say the statistical prevalence of NPD is quite low. What else would it be when the diagnostic criteria is so incomplete and when it just only looks on the certain aspects that a narcissist can hide so well? Imagine a narcissist sitting across a therapist and then this therapist asking these questions. Do you feel you are arrogant? You have haughty behaviors? What do you think the narcissist is going to say? Will they agree? 
Of course not. This diagnostic criteria is too easy to pass. Yes, a therapist might use projective techniques which simply means they might ask them to explain their life or why they are facing certain hardships to really understand what their core looks like but still it's not enough. They won't be able to recognize covert narcissists. So that was my analysis of uh, the criteria for NPD in DSM-5. Let me know what your thoughts are and I'll talk with you in the next one. Until then, let the healing begin and continue.